0: This is an Irish independent podcast.
1: Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Pride sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.
0: Hello, welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, many of us have heard or will be familiar with self-love. In theory, we know exactly what it is, but how hard is it to put into practice and make it part of your daily life? Well, this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Fiona Brennan, clinical hypnotherapist and double author of two books, uh, The Self-Love Habit and The Positive Habit. And she's here to tell us why we need to love ourselves a little bit more and how it can improve so many aspects of our lives. Fiona, all the way from Greece, how's it going?
1: It's going hooray, as they say in Greece. (laughs) Uh, It's going fantastic, Carl. Delighted to be with you. (laughs)
0: Well, you're not singing ABBA, so we're doing well. We're doing well. Not just <laughs> <Mama> yet. <Mia. laughs> so come here to me. Tell us, all, I want to know a bit more about what you do. You've been on with us before, and I'd love to, to, to bring you into our audience and just explain a little bit about what a cl- clinical hypnotherapist actually does for people.
1: Well... Carl, I specialize in helping people with stress and anxiety and low self-esteem. And the reason I do that, I suppose, is because it's something I really understand on a personal level as well as a professional level. So I've got a wealth of experience in helping people to feel calmer and more confident. And the hypnotherapy aspect of it is something that is really like a very powerful tool that allows us, allows me or any uh, clinical hypnotherapist to access the subconscious. So I work really on two levels. Like a psychotherapist will work on a conscious level, which I do as well with my clients and in all of my work. However, I also work on that deeper subconscious, which is where my hypnotherapy, my audios uh, really start to reinforce the practice uh, for people to to make a, a significant change uh, in their in their brains, and there's a lot of research now. And um, the work of Dr. Andrew Huberman, whom I really admire, is a really um, strong advocate for the power of hypnosis and how it is one of the most um, you know really beneficial ways to make change quite quickly but it needs repetition for it to be sustained. And I think that's one thing, you know, when we hear about hypnosis and hypnotherapy, it has this really sort of, you know, you just click your fingers and everything changes and it's very much this sort of quick fix. That is not the case. And I really work hard to to get that message across, Carl, that it is actually something like anything in life, like any training that we do, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's yoga, you know, it is the repetition that actually um, creates the results. And to maintain the results, we need to continue the uh, activity. So in my case, listening to your audios, listening to your hypnotherapy, even when you are, let's say, loving yourself uh, more, then you want to maintain that and you want to continue. So it is it's a wonderful tool. It's, it's transformed my life. It's transformed the life of literally thousands of my clients over the years. So I'm, I'm really um, I just love it. I, I really do.
0: So it's basically, it's a form of training. It's like training for a marathon or training for anything else. It's, you know, it's, it's repetition, it's consistency, and it's just training your, your mind or your subconscious to be able to work on the things that you want to work on.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, what I like to describe it, Carl, as the most honest placebo that you'll ever receive because we have such powerful minds. Like we are all so much more capable, let's say, than we give ourselves credit for. And our imagination is a really powerful tool. So people with who suffer from anxiety and stress often will imagine the worst possible, ca- you know, scenarios, catastrophizing um, outcomes. And that is understandable. It's the negativity bias in the brain. I'm sure you've heard of, and and I hope your listeners have as well. That sense of how we're conditioned to give our attention to the negative. So in order to actually really. I wouldn't say combat that, but I would say to work with that, we want to like a torch, you know, when you shine a torch in in the direction of where you want to see, you want to use your mind in that way. And the imagination is a way where we can also imagine the best possible outcome. You know, we can actually see things, uh, visualize things for ourselves of how we want to show up in the world, how we want to um how we want to feel, how we want to be, how we want to behave. So there is a lot of accountability uh, also involved, not just wishful thinking. And that's where we get both the the conscious and the subconscious. They're, They're sort of like the perfect marriage, if you like. When you have both of those working together, you really have a good chance of maintaining positive emotional and mental health.
0: Okay, so it's very much along the lines of the, the kind of manifesting concept uh, and, and, and the vision boarding concept, but it's with, with a little bit more work than just that.
1: Yeah, and it's also like I, I listened uh, to your podcast a few weeks ago with Susan Kane and, you know, about her, the, the power of sadness, for example. So it isn't this case of, you know, just manifesting or trying to, the law of attraction of what you want. But it's it's really about, you know, the deeper psychological work as well of embracing the parts of ourselves that we find hardest to love, whether that is anxiety, anger, fear, uh, jealousy. You know, these parts of ourselves that we're very ashamed of are actually very important to learn about ourselves and pointers of of how we need to really love ourselves more and care for ourselves.
0: That brings me nicely on to what I want to chat about next, which is that self-love, right? We've heard about it. We've chatted to people about it. Uh, It's a very topical thing to chat about, I think, for people. Yet, we really struggle to put it into practice. Why do you think, why do we struggle so much with the idea of it? Are we scared of it? Is it the word? What what are people's barriers in terms of actually, you know, practicing some self-love?
1: I think there are many, car. like the first thing is, you know, I would say we're, we're actually taught, especially in Ireland, we're almost taught the opposite. Right. That it is a negative thing to love yourself. You know, this idea that you you could eat yourself if you were a bar of chocolate or you're too big for your boots. There's so many um, connotations that it is something to hide rather than to sort of, you know, illustrate or show. So essentially, with that in mind, that it's something we're not taught, it is actually, you know, when you start to explore it, it's it's really important to see the difference between self-love and self-pity. And there's like, they're black and they're white, the difference. Because when you look at love, whether it's for yourself or for anybody else in this world, your family, any other creature or being, It is actually about, you know, compassion and compassion is love in action. So when we're in a state of self-pity, we tend to be, you know, going down a spiral and we're wallowing and that is not helpful to ourselves at all. So what we want to do is actually create a sense of, first of all, acceptance uh, for ourselves, which is the very beginning of transformation from, let's say, self-loathing. Which, Carl, I have to say, unfortunately, I have seen just an abundance of in my work over the years where people are beyond uh, cruel to themselves. And it's, it's very, it's, it's heartbreaking um, to listen to and to see um, because the voice in their mind is conditioned to be judgmental. And we want to really help a person what my, in my work. What I really want to do is start with self-acceptance um, because until we accept ourselves, we're not going to be able to love ourselves. You know, it, it has to it has to be organic and it has to be something that comes naturally. And acceptance is just I really feel and know and believe in the power that it has to transform somebody from a place of really strong uh, negativity into a place of being at peace with themselves, being at peace and at ease with who they are, as they are, and not how they think they should be, you know, in terms of external success.
0: And that acceptance goes, you know, both the I suppose the positive and certainly more negative aspects of one's personality too, isn't it? And that can be harder to do with you know emotions like anger or resentment or anything like that. It can be harder to accept yourself with, with for the, uh, from that aspect.
1: Absolutely, it's like Socrates once said, and here I am in the land of Greece, and he said the parts and um, those who are hardest to love are the most difficult of all. Do you know what I mean? It's it's hardest to love the people who need it most. Um, and that's that's true also in ourselves, that the parts of ourselves that we really feel uncomfortable with are the very parts that we're trying to push away, to repress or to feel shame for. Um, and essentially, the, the real work is actually seeing the joy that these parts can offer us, that it is a misconception to believe that once we're free of that for example let's say anxiety in this case once we're not anxious anymore we're going to be you know or sad or whatever it might be that we're going to be free because it's that's that's not unreal that's unrealistic you know we we have these uh, emotions that are both positive and negative and we want to be able to embrace both within ourselves and ultimately carl It's the most selfless act of all, because when you can do that for yourself, and I've experienced this personally, when you can do that, when you can be at peace with these parts that you were once ashamed of, you are really able to do it for the people you love. So it transforms your relationships. You are able to tolerate and accept, you know, whether it's your partner's um you know insecurities whether it's your partner's fears uh, or your children or your parents or you know those particularly those closer relationships that can be triggers for people you you can actually just be there as this unconditional acceptance of who they are and not how you want them to be or not how you think they should be but opening up to this um awareness of of unconditional love and I think it's really helpful if if anyone of your listeners here had have had a person like that in their life, you know, to, to actually draw upon that energy. Personally, I had um, a beautiful aunt called Auntie Lally and Auntie Lally was to me, I think underneath it all, she taught me about self-love because no matter what kind of mood I was in, whether I was, you know, sort of like being difficult, like difficult or, you know, crying or sad or joyful or giggly. There was just this unbelievable presence and acceptance. And that stays with a person. Now, not everybody has an Auntie Lally in their lives. I was very, very fortunate to have that experience. Um, but you know, if one even even having you know a cre- a beautiful dog, you know, a lot. That's why we love our dogs because they they love us regardless, right? And um, but grandparents can often offer that as well. So I think that it's it's useful to actually draw upon that and remember what is that like to be with a person who truly accepts you as you are, and then replicate that within your own internal world so that you can use the energy to actually create it inside you so it is it's quite a spiritual thing but it's also a physical thing in terms of you know how we feel emotion in the body and remembering what it's like to feel so safe with somebody else or another uh, creature
0: folks you're listening to real health with me carl henry in association with lay healthcare fiona is there a difference between i suppose practicing self-love, but also being too confident or overconfident or be, to be seen as being cocky?
1: Well, yes, of course there is. I mean, you know, to be honest, Carl, like they're, they're just such different things because, you know, if you're being too cocky or, you know, overconfident, let's say you've gone into the realms of the ego, right? You're operating from, let's say, external achievements, like well, look what I have, look what I've done, look what I've achieved. Whereas self-love is, is really that much more contentment with oneself as one is so not looking for external validation so you can love yourself and be you know the quietest person in the room without the need for attention or without the need to be for example a perfectionist you know perfectionism is one of the major uh, blocks to self-love because and I see it again in a lot of high achievers um, is that whatever they do it's just not good enough. You know, it doesn't matter what external achievements you have. It doesn't matter how many PhDs you get. It doesn't matter, you know, how big your home is. There's always this emptiness and the search and striving for more. So um, there's a huge, like, there again, it's black and white, I would say, uh, the difference between being overconfident. that That generally, like, comes from a place of insecurity, that you're looking for attention.
0: Chat to me about self-talk and negative self-talk. I'm sure lots of people listening in will be practicing negative self-self-talk and how damaging that can be.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you think about a car, like, you know, when you go to bed at night, right? <laughs> I was gonna say who do you go to bed with, but it sounds a little bit, you know, obviously you're a lovely wife. And but who's there with you all the time when you wake up in the morning when you're going about your day? It is the voice in your mind, right? And what you want is that voice, Carl, is one that is supportive and kind and proud of you. And again, it's when that voice is very critical. It could be coming from maybe a critical parent when you were younger or siblings or school, and that you have now actually sort of transferred that voice into your own one. So when you look at it, you know, you, you start to see connections of, oh, my goodness, I sound like, you know, the way um, maybe a parent used to speak to me or compare me to others. So we really want to to get a, a space between ourselves and the voice in our mind. So a lot of the work, like I'm a mindfulness coach as well. So a lot of the work that I do is grounded like so much in the practice of presence and awareness, because when you get a space between yourself and your thoughts, you're able to actually really um, use that space to examine what way are you speaking to yourself, and I'm sure you probably heard it before. But it is useful. It's like, would you ever speak to anyone else like that? The chances are you wouldn't have many friends, or you know, your family would be fleeing if you spoke, you know, to 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 other people in the way that many people do in their own minds. So, creating a space between your thoughts is absolutely paramount
0: we couldn't have a chat like this without discussing social media uh Mm. in terms of self-love and potentially in terms of negative self-talk i don't look like that person that person has a perfect life oh my god look at them look at their friends all that uh talk to me a little bit about that about maybe the dangers uh of it and and the impact of it
1: i think it's huge carl i think it really is and i think that you know it's something that again comes back to awareness we need to be really mindful of not becoming servants to social media and i think it's a great thing i'm on instagram i love it but it's got to be it's got to be used in a way that actually makes the world lighter and brings you know joy and 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 help to people when it becomes a place of toxicity and comparisons you need to, to notice how you feel, what's happening in your body when you're, let's say scrolling and comparing. So I would say that if anyone is struggling with, with low self-esteem, you know it's it's so important to actually create a practical habit where you are staying off as much as you possibly can. You're not following people that you, um, you know, who are sort of portraying the perfect world, but you're following people that are actually there to help you. Another tip that I think just on a practical level is great is like you, you'll, you'll remember, Carl, the landlines. And when you, you literally couldn't take a phone out of a room. So it can be real. <laughs> that makes <me laughs> do you feel remember? very that?
0: old now, by the way. I'm 40. I'm not 70. <laughs> yeah, anyway, go
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you do remember them, right? And, I do, I do. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm much older than you. I'm 46, right? And I remember them very well. And the point is that, you know, if you wanted to be on the phone, you went into a room and, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't physically move. So it's useful to actually start that habit again. Um, So let's say your your phone lives in one room, so you're not carrying it around with you because all of that just constant scrolling and checking is really detrimental to to our mental health. Um, And just recently on on the retreat I've been on, we we had a policy where there was very limited light light phone use. And I can tell you now the difference it made was was really significant. So we need to do that for ourselves wherever we are.
0: And of course, remind ourselves with a little bit of self-love that it's not always real. And it's, you know, for every photograph you may see from, from a certain, from influencers, they may be taking 20 and picking the best one or maybe edited and that, you know, what how you are is good enough and how you are is okay. And just reminding yourself with that self-love kind of angle of, you know, you, you're doing great, you know.
1: Absolutely, Carl. Yeah. I know Roz Purcell is great at that. And I love, you know, she's somebody that is fantastic at showing the real you know her and people like that are wonderful because they they are showing what it's like to be a human being we're all human beings um and just be be choosing be mindful of who you follow i suppose would be important
0: absolutely absolutely i think we've really brought people into this concept of self-love we we, we've taken the i suppose some people may see it as being slightly what's the word i would use fluffy for want of a better word we've certainly taken them out of that and hopefully we've encouraged them to to do it uh, remind us, I suppose, and hammer home the benefits of it. So, you know, we, we've we've chatted through lots of them. I just want to remind people what the, the benefits of it will deliver to your life, that by doing it, what are you going to see? What are the improvements that you're going to feel?
1: To be honest, Carla, it's going to benefit every single component of your life. So if you look at at the world in terms of your internal world and your external world, when you're really transforming that internal world from, less, you know, a place of self-loathing into self-love, you're at peace with yourself when you're at peace with yourself and at ease with yourself. The choices you make in your external world are going to be much more in line with your values and um, you're going to be more likely to put yourself forward, to take risks, to go outside of your comfort zone. You are in a position where you no longer care about what other people think about you. I love this phrase, you know, to be independent of the good opinion of others. It was Wayne Dyer Um, who who spoke about that, you know, that you can just be completely at ease with yourself, that praise, you know, let's be honest, we all like it. You know, the, you know, it's it's lovely to hear it. But it doesn't land, Carl, unless it's echoed inside, you know, and that is something that many people experience. They could be up there getting the Oscar, uh, but inside, if they don't have a voice that mirrors that, you know, I'm proud of you in your own internal voice. It really doesn't mean anything. So essentially, you know it, it transforms your ability to to flourish, to your reach your potential, to self-actualize. your relationships, you know, really transform. I, I've noticed that in my own um personal life and and again, my clients, how what were once tumultuous relationships become really sources of of love and um and joy
0: sold i think you're sold to every single listener who's listening <laughs> <Yippee>! in
1: <laughs> I, hope so.
0: I, I, I hope so i can't imagine how you wouldn't have done if people want to find you uh that sounds very scary if people want to find you online uh where can they find you
1: um instagram is probably the best it's um basically if you just put in the positive habit you'll find me there's a few underscores in there but you will find me on that and also uh, my website is the positivehabit.com
0: Fiona, wonderful to catch up as always. Go work in the suntan after your retreat. Enjoy every <laughs> bit of it. Folks, that's it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. You know where we are, at Carl PT on Instagram. And don't forget to rate and review if you've liked what you've listened to. We'll see you next week for more Real Health. Slong go foe.
1: Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Pride sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.